Welcome everyone to World of Anime. We're here again uh, in, this, in a new series called Deep Cuts, where we talk about one show and examine the shit out of it. I'm Stephanie, your host. Returning with me today, I have Ben. Ben, say hey. Hey. <laughs> uh, and we have two newcomers on our show, and hopefully they'll come back a lot more because they're both lovely ladies. We have Danielle. Danielle, say hi. Hi, I'm Danielle. <laughs> and we also have Lorena. Lorena, say hi. Hi, I'm Lorena. And we're also excited because we're talking about a show that is currently airing. Whoa, what a concept. And this show is called The Ancient, I think it's Mag, Mag, Magus? Magus. Ma- it's like Maggots. Um, what did you think it was? Like It's like magic, but like I would assume it's... Magus? Magus. <laughs> Matches. I've said it's, it's never Magnus good. out loud a few times. Yeah. We've done that. I've said uh, Magus. <laughs> Magus. Magus. Yeah. We need pronunciation help, everyone. The ancient but... Mega Man Bride. <laughs> the ancient Mag- Magus's Bride. And I suggested we all watch this because I keep seeing on Twitter Crunchyroll constantly plugging it, saying, look at this picture, isn't this pretty? Look at the cute dragons and cats. And I was like, well, it's new, and Crunchyroll clearly wants people to watch it, so let's watch it and see what we think. I think we have a lot of things to say about this show. (laughs) I'll just plug in beforehand. I actually read the manga a couple months ago before even the show was announced. Um, I think it was the movie had it was announced like a week after I read it. I haven't actually finished this what what's aired so far, but I have, did read that a couple months ago. Okay, so you've probably not you probably have more story than we have, but uh, there are definitely some interesting <sighs> directing choices <laughs> that you might not have been privy to. Maybe they have been privy to. Well, so I don't know. You seem to have a lot of feelings about it. So what are these feelings that you? I don't know, you have. Just because you feel like you, you want to address a couple of things. When Ben and I were watching it, we watched it together. I think our main feelings were... We were very conflicted. I was very conflicted. I don't know. Uh-huh. For the most, most of it, I was not conflicted. <laughs> but not in a great way? Yeah, we kept... Uh, we, we're, not, we're not super thrilled at the relationship aspect of the show. Um, but there's part, it's not all bad, and it's not the best thing ever, which leaves it somewhere in the middle, which makes it very interesting to talk about, but not one of the strongest shows, and I'm curious why it's being plugged so hard. Should we give the listeners some context as to the premise? Probably. How do you even, like, summarize this show? I mean, I feel like I can summarize the show, probably. Okay. Um, I'll do my best. There is a young question mark woman slash girl who may or may not have been considering suicide as implied through flashbacks. And a man came to her and said, you don't care about your life, so come to the auction. And she goes to the auction and some... Skull man buys her for 5 million yen and takes her to his home and says, you're my apprentice and you're also my bride. Let's go on our honeymoon and starts taking her around. That was what I thought the plot was. Is that correct? That's, that's pretty good. I do have one or two addendums on 
some of the things I found initially problematic. One, uh, she's 15, according to the uh, description. Okay, I did not realize that. Yeah, they don't mention it in the show, but it's in, like, the description when you look at it on Crunchyroll. Um, And the second thing being the auction is pretty specifically a human trafficking slavery type thing. Uh, She definitely is selling herself as property. Yeah, and Mr. Skullman is... I don't. I still don't know what he is. Oh, he's like he's just a mage as, as far as he characterizes himself. But yeah, yeah. So it's interesting because Ben and I accidentally watched the prequel movie first. Yeah, we were like, oh, we're watching episode one, and we were very confused the whole time. We were like, why do we care about these characters? What's going on? Why is this? This is very strange. And then we finished the movie and watched episode one. We were like, oh, that was a prequel movie. Oops. And we were just watching it and being like, well, they're pulling from lots of different lore. For A lot of it is, I guess, UK area based. So we thought that he was, what, Baphomet or something? Is that his name? I mean, I'm not familiar enough with the iconography or these different belief systems, but... Uh, he's definitely, from my, from what I can tell, has some satanic iconography to him and what he's supposed to look like. Um, and I mean, they reference the fact that he's centuries old. And they, there's a line in, I think the most recent, one of the most recent episodes where they're like, he's a shadow of a human. So I'm like, so is he not human? Was he ever human? Like, I don't know. They just say like, it's just, it's. This, the entire show, I feel like I'm one step away from being told the thing I'm supposed to already know. Like, I'm just shy of, like, understanding what's going on ever. Enough <laughs> that I, like, understand the main plot things. Except for, like, what happened at the end of episode five. I'm like, why yeah. that happened? I don't know. Uh, we'll get to that. <laughs> but, like... I feel like there's always something I'm missing every time. It's like they're trying to pull on these mythologies and lore that I'm just not familiar enough with and that we should feel a lot more. I mean, I don't think you should need familiarity of the lore that something is referencing to be able to follow it. Um, And if it needs to be like, and if it's something that you do need to, that's a really, that's a jarring point against whatever they're trying to say. If you need to understand the centuries-old legend, like... Well, I think the most... I think the weirdest concept we were coming across that we were like, if we're missing something, was the concept of her being a sleigh buggy, if that's what it's called. Is it called something different in the manga? Uh, the sleigh buggy? I... Oof, no, I don't remember. Um, it, was, it was a couple months ago. Like, there was a concept that she was, some like, this person that could see magical beings. Like, there, she was supposed to be, like, a strange character like she was she was you know like um as a child because she could see these things but i don't remember if slave buggy was the word that they used because even from that first two episodes there were a lot of differences from the manga itself oh okay um i could tell from those first two episodes that there were a lot of differences with how the story was going especially with Cheese's background yeah it was just more like that that word they kept saying it and they kind of defined it multiple times but never completely and it's a it's like a niche enough term that you the audience and the audience shouldn't 
need to have prior knowledge of this mythos. I think the show is intentionally trying to set it up with an air of mystery because, like, she herself doesn't know and it's mysterious, but it's, like, just sort of irritating, like, the way that they're handling, like, her backstory, too, through those, like, flashbacks that are, like, sort of, it's obvious what's going on, but it's, like, they're just sort of tedious and irritating. Um, Yeah, it's even more tedious and irritating once you've seen the prequel movie. Can you tell me a bit about the prequel movie? It's essentially about her childhood. Okay. It's like the the overarching, like, the story vehicle is the uh, Angelica sends them a book as a wedding present, and it's this picture book, and it happens to mean something to Chise, and then she tells Elias and all the little Ariel's fairies around, like, oh, the story of how she got her hands on the book and what her life was like when she read it. And that's like her telling them her backstory. And it's all like, oh, we're cleaning up the library also at the same time. But then you learn about like her mom dying and the abuse she had as a kid being like plucked around from house to house and people not liking her because she could see all these crazy, strange, magical things and normal humans can't see them. So people think she's crazy uh, but these beings are tormenting her, so she doesn't. She can't eat because it's like at her plate eating her food. She can't sleep because it's in her bed. So she's miserable, and it makes her family's miserable, and everything is bad all the time. People like yell at her all the time. It's it's bad. She's always running away. She's always tired, and she meets. She finds this library, and there's this guy in it. Lets her be there and read books. So you learn how she likes. That's why she likes books and reading. And then crazy shit goes down, and the library is like... She finds out he's a ghost, and then his ghost dies. So oh he's god. thoroughly dead. Oh my god. And then he sends her on a mission to return a book that he borrowed, when, like, his last day alive, to, like, the woman who he had borrowed it from. And she like, returns it to this old lady who's in the hospital. And it's just like, this thing. And that's the story of how she found this book. And I'm just like, okay. It's, like, a very, like, self-contained thing. And supposed to, I think, give you more insight on her upbringing, which was awful and sad. But knowing all of that going into the series, you don't have any of the mystery about why is she why is she on the brink of committing suicide and going to sell herself to the black market? So, But also, like, that information has been conveyed to me at least, like, two to three times per episode, and it's like... Yeah, but after the first episode. Going into the first episode, if we had not seen the prequel movie, we would really have no idea, and then the mystery would sl- very quickly unravel uh, <laughs> as to why that was the case, but there was no mystery after watching that movie. We knew what was, we knew what was going on. Yeah. Um, I don't know that it would have been too much of a mystery anyway, though. No. I think my biggest... We were talking about this before. Our biggest criticism of the show is that it's, like, one step away from being any one particular genre. It's, like, it's romance, but it's a little twisted and weird, and I don't know if I'm fully into it. It's mystery in some cases, but, like, not really. It's an adventure, but it's really chilled out adventure. Like, yeah. you don't go too far in your adventures. Like, you go, like... Yeah, exactly. And it's, like, it's dark psychological, but, like, not exactly. 
And, like, the biggest thing is I think the show has a huge tone problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's, there's moments where they're like, oh, they're like, uh, in the most recent in the most recent arc, they're in a flashback of someone, and it's very serious, and you're trying to like, you're learning the mystery, and all of a sudden, like, there's jokes, not just like once, but a couple of times, like there's like those jokes, and like, oh, you're so serious, like, that's not the time for that. <laughs> like, I'm not good at reading a room, but even I was like. Why? Can you? Sorry, can you remind me exactly the instance you're talking about? Uh, so there were two of them. One of them was when the the Matthew character, like the husband character, yeah. is in the bar and he's talking to the sorcerer, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Yes, I love her so much, and I do anything for my wife." And the sorcerer's like, "Oh, oh, oh you're you're so embarrassing. Like your your emotions are on your or sleeve." Like they'll and go the- chibi for a moment. Yeah, and it's like. Yeah, it was, it was weird. And the other one in that same like flashback sequence was the wife is like out and about, and she's like, "Do you know where my husband is?" And one of them's like, "Maybe he's with another woman." Oh! And they're like squabbling in the back. And then the other one's like, "I think I saw him go into the woods with an axe or something." And it's like, why did that joke need to be there? There was no reason I mean... for it. And it's like, it's it's it was really in bad taste because it's like very his whole thing is he's obsessed with his wife. So it's not it's not even like a funny joke. It's like, oh, we're making jokes because we're women, and that's what we joke about. It was just like, why does this need? It just threw threw off the tone of something that was clearly building to a high climax of like suspense. It was just like these weird moments. Um, I actually wasn't bothered by either of those. I felt like both of them were just they seemed in step with everything else I'd come to see from the show and the narrative had not quite gotten to a point where it was like, things are really serious yet. So I I wasn't bothered by that. I thought I was forgetting like a chibi moment while he was like killing the cats in the room. And then he was like, why fucked in on this? Also the cats. There's I'm, I'm, I'm really into that. The cat kingdom. I also like the cat kingdom. Yeah, They seem cool. I really liked that, like, I want to I wanna just hang out in that place. That's the thing. The, the world that they're building with, like, the dragons and the cats and the magic and all of that is really cool. And it looks really good. Like, the show is really pretty. Um, the backgrounds and the landscapes and all of the details in locations, like, are really well done. I'm like, whoa, you threw a lot of money at this. Um, but it made me want to, like, hang out with the cats and play with the dragons. The dragon babies in, like, what was it, episode three? Oh, they were so cute. I just wanted to play with them. They were cute. I feel like visual high points for the show for me include the dragon babies, the fairies, and the cats. But, like... The fairies are also very good. I'm very into the fairies. Uh, I haven't I gotten like... to the cats yet, but the fairies, I do agree, are one of the higher points as yeah. far as the production value. Like, oh, sure. Yeah, they look so good. I love their design. And, like, the motion is fluid. I would say the thing, the visual thing I hate the most about the show is her character design. She, I don't know, it's like, for me, it's the lines under her eyes that just make her look like she's, like, so dead inside every possible second granted i think that maybe adds to her character and that might be the point but i just like 
I, this is also coming from like from a lot of times I was like hmm, maybe I'd like to see someone cosplay Elias, but I can't stand Cheese's design. She just does not stand out in, at all next to him, and I hate her design so much. Like it's so weird. Her like eyes are a little bit too big for her face. Her hair is so red, and like the cut is really awkward. Like she lo- she looks like she's from a different show. She's like a slightly more awkward Kobayashi from Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. Yeah. She's a worse co uh, not personality wise, but just like visually, she's a worse Kobayashi. Oh yeah, not personality wise. No, Kobayashi's the best. Ugh. Yeah, why are we talking why are we talking about that show? No, I know. There's dragons <laughs> in both of them, it's fine. I mean it's the same show. Dragons. dragons. Oh man. But um yeah, I, I hate Chisei's design, and she's protagonist, so it's the worst, because everything else in that show looks really good. I really like Elias's design as a character. Like, it looks, it's weird, but it looks really cool. It's very different. Um, like, everyone else has, like, a very distinct design blah and style. Design. Yeah, and she's just, like, so blah, and maybe that's because she's supposed to be self-insert? And I'm just like, no. She's so, it's so, it's such a boring design. I hate it. Yeah. Wait, okay. So now since we're on Chisa and Elias, can we talk about their relationship? Because <laughs> I feel like that's one of the more jarring parts of this show for me, at least. I okay. will say I was a lot more upset by it. I mean, maybe this is wrong of me to think of it this way, but uh, I did not initially know that the writer was female. And a lot of my issues with, with it were consent based of mm-hmm. you know uh, Elias is really putting Chise in a very unhealthy situation relationship wise and that is still the case um for sure but uh I don't know it's it, it in my head it was it was more uncomfortable when I thought that it was a guy writing it I don't know I mean that can be a point but no it's it, I'm really glad that at least we're talking about it at this point because since I've only seen it from my perspective and at least what people are putting about it on Tumblr, I was like, maybe I just, I'm getting older and I just don't think these things are as healthy as I might've thought when I was younger, but everything about this relationship is like red flags and just not things that should be happening. Oh yeah. And it came out at like the worst time politically as it like, as it could with all like the Harvey Weinstein stuff and all of the Kevin Spacey, Kevin Spacey and the me too campaign. The only thing I'll say is it was made in Japan. Japan's politics aren't reflected here. And like, they're not, they're not connected to our politics. So that might not have anything that probably has nothing to do with it and definitely doesn't, but it, it coming out now, I'm surprised that if, if people are, like, if there are lots of teenage girls, like, really into it, that's worrisome for me because that's specifically a problem we're trying to deal yeah. with in the adult community right now. Because here's, here's one thing, because I, I try to look at it from the perspective of tropes in Japanese animes of, like, and, and, and Japanese culture and shows of just, like, oh, you know, this guy sort of pushes his agenda on a girl and she just kind of goes along willingly. But you can tell that she's not going along with this willingly at any point. Like, she's just like, oh, yeah, I guess I have to do this, but I don't really want to do any of this. Um, but no, what I was saying was that, that like, I, from the, from the beginning, I was always just like, this is not healthy. This is really not healthy. And at no point did I see that reflected in, at least, um, Tumblr is a very specific place. 
you know, as far as how people comment on it, but I no point that I see anyone reflecting on how it was an unhealthy relationship. So I'm glad that you guys are talking about it just because I felt for a while that I was alone in that thought. Yeah. To to be clear on what I was saying earlier with the male versus female author, when I thought it was a male author, I thought it was so problematic that I almost stopped watching Um, because this might be one of the least healthy starts to a relationship I've seen portrayed. Uh, I mean, he literally purchases her and then over the course of their first day refers to her himself as her new family, refers to her as his puppy, uh, forcefully removes her clothes in order to bathe her when she does not want this, and then some stuff happens and she says he says they're going to get married. Yeah, no, it's definitely bad. And for a while, you know, you try to watch a new show, you have like an open mind. And so I was like, oh, maybe this will be good. But then I was like, after you were telling me all this, I was just like, trying to think of a way that it could end in a good relationship and the only way i can imagine it is if he lets her go and then she willingly on her own volition without any sort of guilt comes back to him because she likes him but there's there needs to be i feel like that's also that's also very specific tropes that do happen and i you know what i'm saying like it is but i think that's the only way that this relationship could not could I think that's the only way this relationship could end successfully in a non, is it not abusive? Because he's not abusing her. It like territorial. And then the power dynamic. The power dynamic, yeah. and that's the problem here. Is he's nice enough to her, which is great. This could always be worse, but he owns her. It's not entirely consensual, and it it's not coming from a good place. Even. Even when she seems okay with it, it's still like, well, I have nothing else, so this is better than nothing, and that's not... So I think the only way that it could, and I don't know if it will ever go there, the only way it it could be ever considered a healthy relationship is if he's like, you know what? I want you to make the decision on your own. I'm going to completely rescind all, like, ownership or, you know, authority over you and just you know, back off with no strings attached and then her deciding I want to come back because I like you, not I like the security that your house provides me and I like that you don't hit me. Like, she's got Stockholm Syndrome, but not from him, but from her situation of her life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, he is still her primary caregiver, that he acquired her in the position of a literal slave and you know she's underage and he is centuries old so i'm not sure i'll ever really be able to get that bad taste out yeah so i think uh sorry just a similar not i guess not lore but a similar dynamic that i think is sort of addressed here is um I don't know if you guys have read um, Jane Eyre, but, I have it's similar, um, but it's a similar dynamic to the one that Jane has with Mr. Rochester, that he holds all the power over her from an economic standpoint. And the way that their relationship ends up balancing is, you know, she like she leaves, like she basically not runs away, but she leaves, like she leaves the situation, goes off, you know, makes like it has, it has a way to get have her own income. And it's not until 
he loses enough power and she gains some on her own that they sort of are at that balance that their relationship comes to fruition. So that's sort of a situation where that could balance out. But I I like, what it is it, what is it for her that she has to, what does he have to lose and she have to gain for them to balance out if that's how it's going to go? I mean, the only thing that she seems to have at all is the fact that she attracts magical powers and creatures and things like that. But he's like, it's later, like in the episodes we saw, it's possible that he's using her for that. Mm-hmm. And not, it's not, and that's not something within her power because she has no power over it. If she someday becomes like a lot more powerful than him and like becomes greater and has volition and can break free of it, then like maybe that power dynamic will change. But it's not there now. And I think the most disturbing moment was. It's happened, I think, twice so far in the first five episodes where someone external to her and Elias is like, why are you staying here? Don't you want to be free? Come with us. You'll be happy. And she's like, but he called me his family. No one's done that before. So I'm going to stay with him because even if he's lying, he called me his family. It's literally quoted that way. Mm -hmm. Even if he's lying, he called me his family. And that, like, that bar, that standard is so low. It's so low. And um, it's the most unhealthy thing I've, I think I've heard someone say genuinely out of their mouth, even though I was reading it. <laughs> and I was just like, and, and everyone's like, fine to, to, and I don't know if it's because he comes up behind her and is like, shoo, shoo, yeah, you did good pet, like puppy, good job. Or if it's like they just don't want to deal with her because she might be legitimately crazy, but is is bad is is not good. She's she's not in a state to really be in a relationship. And the only source of comfort that I've had so far about it is that one, their quote unquote honeymoon does not seem to involve any sexual things right now. It seems to be like their quote unquote honeymoon is going around to these different magical sites and him showing her cool stuff or showing her things that need to get done. And it's just like, this is the honeymoon of a meeting or something. Like, he doesn't seem to be, at least not in the show itself, having any advances on her, which is something, a small relief maybe. Um, No, he does a couple of weird things. And the other thing is that he's constantly being admonished by other characters in the show. Like, Angelica yells at him. She's like, dude, what are you doing? You're a moron. How dare you propose to her, like, the day you meet her? Like, what the hell is wrong with you? And, like, kicks him out. And he's like, what did I do? And she yells at him about it. And, I don't know, the two the two bad sorcerers or whatever are like, he's a bad man. Like, what is he doing? Like, But it's like, you know they're obviously, like, I mean, maybe they're not obviously setting it up. But it's like... It seems like it's like, yeah, but, you know, there's the seed of doubt, but obviously the sorcerers are evil and he's, you know, there's a mystery, but like, uh, well, (laughs) I feel like just like the problem with their relationship was just like so flagrantly obvious the whole time I was watching that I was like, I don't even know if I want to devote the mental faculty to being like frustrated by this because (laughs) it's just like it's just so apparent and she's just generally such a character without any agency. And it's just like, I felt like if I'm going to watch all five episodes of this, then I just have to like, 
Are you okay with that for the five episodes of this? Yeah, I mean, aggressive neutrality about this show. It's just not, it's it's not very good, but it's not abysmally bad. <laughs> um, yeah, the relationship is a real big problem. If the whole show is exactly the same, but everything with the, with the bride connotations was left out, right? Where he took her mm-hmm. on to be his apprentice and he was taking her around to do all the things and he cared for her as an apprentice and there was no weird romantic or sexual things being expected, I think the show would be a lot better. It would well, be a lot I less controversial. Like... It would still have the problem of a power dynamic, but it wouldn't be like a... It wouldn't be as bad if it was just purely teacher-student agreement. Even if it's, like, in the back of the character's mind but never comes to the forefront. Like, oh, maybe she'll love me or something. Like Beauty and the Beast a little, where he can't tell her that I need you to fall in love with me. It's something he wants but doesn't necessarily think is going to happen. Still not a great relationship to, to strive to necessarily. But, like, if it had not been... If it had been called the... The ancient Magus- Magus's apprentice, and that was the focus. I feel like it would be a lot less controversial, and I feel like I could enjoy it a lot more instead of it being like. And then his like weird like mishaps of like I'm gonna put I'm gonna take off your clothes and try to give you a bath or like lick her neck to make her wound disappear. Like they'd be like, oh, I'm just oh, a. I forgot about yeah, that. that was creepy as hell. But they might be read more of. He's socially inept and needs to be yelled at about those things. And once he knows he doesn't do that, but with it... It's with, more than socially inept to be like, I will lick this underage girl's neck. I mean, so the only the only thing about that is that it did look like it completely healed the wound. If that's his way of healing, <laughs> I don't know. It did look like it worked. It yeah, did look fair. like it worked. And if it's like the Steven Universe thing where he licks his hand... Or, like, has to lick you to heal you. Like, if that's just the method, like, I'm, that's less upsetting to me. But it was upsetting the way he did it in this show. But, like, if that, if it was framed that way, I think it would be a lot less bad. Well, I feel like also, like, as you're saying, there are not really that many things indicative of the romantic subplot other than like the the weird sexual moments but they're sort of few and far between so it seems like the bride element is sort of totally unexplained the whole time like it seems almost like it's not even present for a lot of the show he just says weird things like you're my bride you're gonna be my wife we're going on our honeymoon like he just says clear on if they're currently married because he said they're on the honeymoon, which would make me think that he considers them literally already married. Yeah, I don't know. Or it was an, engage- an engagement of, like, what, two, three episodes then? Like, No, not even. Because like like yeah. that was the end of the first one, was the engagement. I mean, or, we didn't see a wedding No, he anything. purchased her, so that's marriage in a lot of old societies. And he is hundreds of years old. That's I say this in not very a lot great of standard. I said that literally with like all of the sarcasm I could muster. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. If that didn't <laughs> I didn't read. hear the sarcasm. I no, didn't. I'm sorry. I'm not good it's at okay. that. I'm just like him. I'm socially inept. What? Um, no. <laughs> so even if that weird, I mean, first of all, if that weird element was removed, I feel like that's one of the few like. I mean, it's that in the sleigh beggy mystery. I feel like those are really the only through lines I really have right now. The bigger tone issue that I think I have, even separate from the relationship, is it almost feels like tragedy porn-esque. 
of they're just going to these random locales and discovering needlessly tragic vignettes. It's fine if there's going to be some darkness, but it, it's almost the extreme sadness that happens in all of these of like, oh, this old dragon just needs to die right now in front of you with all the children. <laughs> or this guy is the cat squasher. It's like, it's like, okay, you can be dark. You broke Lorena. Without, you know... I was mid-yawn, too. That was the problem. So that it was completely broken. <laughs> I get it. It's a dark show, but, like, calm down. Um, I feel like on that front, I feel sort of similar to how I felt many years ago when Stephanie introduced me to a fun show called Food Wars. And my feeling about that show is that it needed to either be less or more pornographic. And I feel like if this anime was even more tragic, like melodramatically so, I would be kind of into that. Um, like, embrace the darkness. Come on, go for it. <laughs> I, the, I thought the cat squashing was a real peak for me. Not that I, I, I love, I, I'm, you know, very pro cats, but like, um, well, also, I guess thematically linked to the whole show, like, I guess, you know, talking about Stockholm Syndrome and their relationship, I guess this is one of those shows for me where, because I was obligated to watch all five episodes, I enjoyed it more the more of it that I watched, and I found the cat arc to be the best part, so. The cat arc was great. Like, I thought, I didn't, okay, my only problem with the cat arc is, what the fuck happened at the end? How did that resolve itself? How does magic work in this goddamn world? I mean, they're just doing world? Gynax endings to episodes. <laughs> like, not every episode can be Evangelion. <laughs> but it's like, oh, I, could, I couldn't even figure it out. She goes to purify it. She sees the whole thing. Fine, she's got weird powers that make her see people in their past. But then, like, oh, we want you to erase us. No, you can't be erased. And then it's just like, Kat's like, wait, I'll lead them to the afterlife and then she's like yeah. no but you can't die miss cat lady and then it's like wait i could turn you all into flowers wait i've solved it dandelions, dandelions. that fixes everything yeah it's like Ooh. what happened it's a metaphor stephanie is it a metaphor is it just... <laughs> no it's not <laughs> no because like the preview for episode six is like ah. Oh, Leading souls to the next world sure is hard work. And I'm like, so she literally oh. did these things. <laughs> the look on your face is just well, really upset. Well, when, when the dragon died, she also evaporated into scales of the dragon. So maybe it's, you know, evaporation arcs. Yeah. Well, that's a good point. Um, I, so that's the thing is, I don't have an inherent problem with the darkness. It just doesn't always feel earned. And... Uh, you have to earn the shadows. I mean, a little bit, though. I mean, it's it's like, if you're going to try to make something super tragic, I would prefer you get me invested first, uh, as opposed to being like, here's this guy. He's got a crazy scenario. His wife dies and the cats are squished. There's blood everywhere. Now cry. <laughs> so um, I actually, I actually don't think that all of the sadness has been super dark. Like, the dragon friend dying wasn't actually that dark. It was just... Like, I was more sad about the dragon than I was about the cat squish. <laughs> than I was about the whole cat arc. 
Um, because it was just, it was more of like a, oh, this is so beautiful and so, like, not tragic. It was just, like, a little sad. Like, when an old per like, when a really, really old person dies, right? It's not, like, tragic that, like, this 95-year-old, you know, grandfather of all these children, like, grandfather and great-grandfather of these children is dead. It's sad because you're going to miss them, but it's not tragedy. It's not darkness. And... It was super interesting because at the end of each of these arcs, Chisei has this like weird encounter with death. Her whole life seems to just be encounters with death. And that it's like, maybe she's just trying, maybe this whole thing is just her trying to have a better relationship with the concept of death. Uh, like the mo there was a moment that was, that was really, I don't know, the dragon arc was just really good because this moment where you don't hear what she's thinking, but the dragon can read her mind and says, don't be envious of the dead implying that she was just saying, I wish I was going to die like you. And that was a super interesting moment because this whole, there's a lot of like fetishization of suicide, especially for someone like her who contemplated it, whose mother killed herself in front of her. And she has just got this weird relationship with death. And if this show is, I don't know who the audience of this show is exactly for, but if there's like a slew of hormonal teenage girls watching it, Maybe it's good for them, at least just for those perspectives on death of like, it's not the worst thing to let go, but I guess that's also not good for kids to watch. I don't know. I'm so conflicted about it. I don't know what to think or do. Sounds like that was the lesson that the show wanted you to take from that episode. And I feel like you, you know, you took the lesson right. Good work. But I didn't need the lesson. Well... I feel like while watching it, it did sort of make me nostalgic for things that I would have enjoyed watching as, like, a young teen. Like, you know, the cat situation, murder, reminded me a little bit of Higurashi. Like, you know, I would have I would have enjoyed this if I had watched it many years ago. And it's just like, not now. It's not, it's not for me. You've aged out of their demographic. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a really it's an odd demographic because I can see where there's value in the show, but it's just it's not it doesn't it doesn't deliver to any one specific thing. It's not scratching any of the itches that it could be scratching. And it, it almost does one thing of like the adventuring part where it's so quiet. The show itself is really quiet in a lot of moments that you wouldn't think are that should be like swelling with music, but they're not. And that reminded me a lot of the anime uh, Mushishi. And it's just like this guy wandering around to mm -hmm. different people from location to location, just trying to like deal with these little supernaturally bug phenomenon. But it's a very like toned down quiet show and it's just episodic. Like, oh, I'm at this village today and they're having this problem and I'm going to help them through it and understand the creatures that are causing this mayhem. But it like very rarely gets loud or like boisterous or like horrifying. It's just like very mellow the whole time. And this show reminded me of that because there's very few moments. It's weird because there's moments of like long stretches of time where it's just mellow adventuring. Oh, we're going to look at the dragons. Oh, we're just going to hang out and hang out, play with the dragons. Or this cats and we like to pet them. And oh, this is great. And then there's like the jump scares. And then like, yeah, she falls through his fingers made of goo. And like... <laughs> It's like, are you a horror? Are you are you thriller? Or are you like quiet adventuring? 
like I just want to understand how magic works in this world because it is beyond it is fucking beyond me. Oh, that the show itself just has like an identity crisis as to what it wants to be. Yeah, it totally has that identity crisis. The funny thing to me is that if you look up the show, or at least when I looked up the show on Wikipedia, it's listed as a shonen, which I think is oh. the one genre it's not close to. Yeah. yeah, that is interesting. I mean, clearly there's a tournament arc coming up of who can die the saddest. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, uh, my anime list has her age as 16. Oh. That's good, I older. guess. Uh, genres. Gen- oh, it's a shonen slice of life. <laughs> it's slice of life what? magic fantasy shonen. How is this shonen? How is this slice of life? Well, uh, Slice of death, maybe. A slice of death. Wow, it's scored really high. Well, that's actually, that was one of the things that was most interesting to me while watching it because I, like, had, yeah, not positive opinion, but then I read the comments or reviews on Crunchyroll and everyone was like, this is an amazing show. I wish all anime was like this. Visually phenomenal. I wish things would would encounter intense emotional topics like this. And I was just like, uh-huh. Um, so... Some people do feel very invested in the show, if not me. <laughs> and I do agree that visually, like artistically, it's gorgeous. Absolutely. It's done, except again for Chise's design, I think it's done really well. I think it's beautiful. I mean, there'll be just moments where I'm like, oh my God, look, they're on a train. Look at the trees. They animated the trees on this train and it's so pretty. And like... In the movie, I don't know if there's any moments like this in the show. There's these like hanging glass, like mobile things and like lanterns and stuff. Oh, they're so gorgeous. They just glisten. And I'm like, you did a good job with the art. I think it's, I think it is a stunning show to look at. And it is more emotional than some shows that exist. It's, it's like if people don't have it then anything that comes slightly close will do it for them, you know? I think that, I mean, I'm, again, not someone who's particularly invested in the show, but I would imagine that the people who feel a strong connection to it appreciate that it's, you know, acknowledging that things like grief and death are complicated, nuanced issues that need to be examined from many different sides in order to be understood, as opposed to just something that's kind of done for shock which is why i think that uh chise is being put through the paces of like these different uh end of life situations i i don't know what direction or a through line that's going to form um but clearly this examination of mortality is i'd say one of the primary themes of the show and to the show's credit i don't know of terribly many shows that aim for that yeah, as an examination of mortality, I think it actually, it does a very different job than a lot of shows of like, oh, people die, get over it. Or like, look at all these people dying. It's a lot of people dead. Or like, we don't care about death. It's cavalier and everyone dies sort of thing. But it does, it's, yeah, shows that handle grief in a very realistic or at least varied way. I, I think it it's doing something that isn't seen very much. I agree with you on that. Uh, and I wish it was able to focus. It doesn't focus. The show doesn't focus on anything. It's all over well, the place. Well, I feel like 
part of the issue for me why I don't, none of the grief lands, I suppose, is there's no emotional stake in any of the characters for me, especially the protagonist, which is, the, is what's tying it all together, and especially who is experiencing all of this grief, because everyone else seems, you know, like, chill with death. Well, the thing is, the only thing about it, I think, is that the show, again, because I've only seen the first two episodes in comparison to the manga, like, you, I think you experience the grief a little differently in the show than when you're reading it, because it's so episodic. Um, I think... You guys, the way that you guys have think, I guess the way that you guys have been explaining it so far is, you know, you do get just these little segments of these small little stories. Whereas reading it, you get a more of continuous flow. So I don't actually get that feeling. I didn't get that feeling so much of like we're dealing with these various situations of just sadness and grief, and you know, you actually are just kind of following Jesus' story a little bit more. Mm. Uh, so I'm like I'm kind of like oh okay so these are things that are happening in the show that I haven't actually caught up on, um, so I the background that I didn't that I have on it so much isn't on that sort of narrative. It's just sort of her developing and meeting people, but not so much on that grief yet. Oh, that's fair. So what you're experiencing in the manga is a little more of like oh Chisei's getting to know this world and she's opening up to people. Is that more of what it, the experience a of the bit manga more is? Of that. Yeah, it's more of her, yeah, it, it's more of just her meeting different people. It's definitely, it feels more of a linear flow of her story instead of just segments of little vignettes, as you were describing, little vignettes of, like, sadness and emotion. Um, it's definitely more linear on her. Um, and then one thing I, I sort of, you know, like now I'm thinking back on like how I felt about it when I, cause I did read a, a good amount of chapters, but totally segueing back to the relationship. I feel like by the end of whatever, wherever I ended, I did feel better about their relationship than I did at the beginning. So I just, I, I, I'm like remembering things slowly now, but. So there's hope. Maybe there's, there is, maybe there is hope, maybe. Um, this is I'm, I'm trying to like get back into that mindset, but I did I do remember now that I did feel better about it a few chapters in than I did at the beginning. Okay. So here's a question just to throw out there for people: Is there anything the show could do, fr- starting from wherever you last saw, that could set it back on the track of something you would like, like redeem it? I think it needs to backtrack, honestly, on the whole. I, I mean, like I said before, I think it needs to backtrack on the romance. I think scaling back the creepy romance stuff is the is only is helpful. I just I want I want explanations on the magic. I want more explanations on the world. Like anytime they do magic, I'm like, what's happening? Like you're using the aerials for power, but they're just it looks like they're the ones doing everything. And you're saying some words like where this whole the whole system is very confusing to me. And I'm just like, I don't get it. What is he training her in? Like, I'm much more interested in that. And I'm interested in like exploring, seeing all the creatures and learning about all of them. Like the best things have been the creatures and the, the landscapes. So I just want it to be like a travel around magic land and learn about magic things and her learning about it and maybe getting more comfortable in her skin. But we jumped from 
her like not knowing what magic was to like him being like, okay, go do a purification ritual on this big gloppity glop. And I was like, how does she know how to do Did you Have you been training her? I feel like there's been a lot of jumps in like time jumps that were not being told happen. Uh, but they're not in a regular pattern either. It's like all of a sudden we're here and I'm just like, did, did she know this before? Like, how did that... I feel like that would be good for an audience to know. Just weird little jumps in time. And sometimes I feel like they make a cut in... Instead of showing going from place to... Just as an example, going from place to place. Instead of showing that, they're just in different places. But without any, like, pretense. So it's just... It, it feels very... It, the whole... It, it's weirdly cut. The angles are strange. It feels like... The shots don't always line up. It just it needs to be cohesion. The show needs to make a decision about what kind of a show it's trying to be. There's so many problems. I mean, I feel like all of those problems would be resolved if the character writing was better. Like, I could not tell you anything about the personalities of any of the characters, and that's a big problem for me. Um, so I think if that was fixed, I wouldn't really have an issue with jumping around from spot to spot or like I feel like for me the explanation of the magic is like adequate just like give me something shoot the show in a way like if she's a really passive character you can still shoot in a way that feels like it's more personal to her experience yeah her face shows zero emotion ever well there's like the existential dread face (laughs) and the blank face yeah She's like Kristen Stewart of the anime world. Oh, no. Like. Well, how would you write a very passive protagonist to be compelling? I mean, at least have her. I mean, at least just facially, just through like animation, like the facial expressions. She's just deadpan all the time. From a writing perspective, I think it would help me a lot if she wanted something. Um, Because as of now, it seems like. The only thing I know, I, I mean, I don't know anything for certain about what she wants. I can't even say for sure that she wants to survive. Um, because she certainly didn't at the start of the show from what we're shown. Um, but, you know, her commitment to being a mage is, from what I can tell, pretty much just, okay, I guess I'll do that. And, you know, it's hard to be more enthusiastic about it than she is. Yeah, like, the only thing that it says explicitly from the beginning of the show that she wants is, the thing that comes out of her mouth is, I just want somewhere to go home to. And, you know, within the first episode, she gets that. So once she has that, you know, there's nothing else really for her to strive for. She's gotten what she wanted. She's got like... what she wants. She has, and, and she's got this man calling her family, which is... You know, more than she could have ever dreamed of. This whole thing started off as her dream come true. And now she's just, like, living out the life that comes after, basically, her happily ever after. Because she's gotten, she got her objective. So now it's like, well, how do I, how's the, how's the follow-up of this? Yeah, she's gotten the thing. And unless her wants change, which so far they haven't, the like the closest thing I saw her being like very passionate about anything was like when she was like, You can't be erased, like you can't just disappear. Like that was the first time there was anything of like any sort of emotion really in her voice. 
or like when the Ariel was being like squished in his hand, she's like, no, Ariel, no. Like, but those things don't make a lot of sense because she doesn't have that much interaction with any of them. The people who are in the glooby glop of like corruption, like the the couple, like she knows them from like these weird hallucination dreams that she's had. And like, why does she care that deeply about them? And the other one is the little fairy who was a trickster to her and, like, tried to convince her to go to fairyland. And she cares about her well-being so much that she risks getting her neck sliced off. Like, it just doesn't track. Her motivations don't track. And what she wants, you don't know what she wants because she throws away her priorities for, like, priority of survival for some things and then doesn't care about other stuff. It just doesn't make any sense. I guess what I'm saying is I think as a character, she is someone that is not very motivated and is looking for something that gives her all the direction she needs in life and a really basic life. Because, I mean, she was someone that she's, you know, incredibly depressed. She was considering suicide. She doesn't really have a motivation. So how can you write a character like that to make them compelling? You need to write really compelling characters around them Mm -hmm. and have them interact with them. The problem is... Elias is mostly being kept a secret from us. So he's interesting, but we don't know why yet. Like he's interesting, but he's not he's he still he still hasn't shown all his cards. And he's not expressive because his face is a skull. He's more expressive than her when he goes chibi, though, which is very cute. And I want one. <laughs> um I want the plushie of it. But like they're not around any other characters for extended periods of time. I think the most time that they were around a consec- like a continuous cast of characters were these cats. And you knew they weren't going to be hanging out with the cats for longer than a few episodes. So it's just like they don't have this. And oh, and the, the cook lady in their house, I suppose, will be a recurring character. She literally doesn't speak or have any emotion on her face. You just have this. Have they introduced Ruth yet? In the OVAs, yes, but in the main series, no. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So in the not to there's no spoilers in this, but in the OVA, you experience like the whole all of them, I guess, together. Elias, Chise, is her name Sylvia or Silver? Silver. Silver. Um, and Ruth, and then a couple of fairies, I guess. And the thing is, Ruth's most of the time is taking the shape of a dog, and that doesn't really show that much expression. Though he's probably the most expressive out of all of them when he turns human and, like, eats things. And he's very excited about it. Silver literally has no emotion or words. Elias, you can't see his facial expression and is hiding his cards. And Chise, we've already discussed. So the most expressive characters in that whole, like, group are the Ariels, who are little pixies and just like saying things to be side characters. So you don't have anyone, you don't have anyone compelling playing off of her. There've been dull characters written with the intention of having other characters of interesting. I mean, the melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya. I mean, Kion is not the most boring of characters cause he's kind of funny, but the whole premise of that show is you have a boring, normal human being surrounded by crazy nonsensical people. And it's his, perspective on all the crazy shit that's going around around him with like time travelers and robots and espers and god 
So it's like, it's fine that he may, he could have been even less interesting and it was, still would have been funny because that's the point. But there's no one to play off of Chise. There's no, she's no one to play off of either. There's no one there. It's just boxes. Yeah, it feels like we're primarily supposed to be relating to her. And, you know, I think it is possible to have a compelling character who's passive in terms of what they want. But I think that she, her behavior and her actions are also very passive. I mean, it feels like most of the things that she ends up doing are just someone tells her to do it. So she's like, okay, I guess I'll do that. I mean, twice separately it's happened where she gets thrown in water and it takes her a minute to be like, okay, I guess I got to swim up now. Um, <laughs> she gets wet a lot. And it's not a euphemism. She just gets thrown into bodies of water a lot. Yeah. And I don't know if she does Maybe she doesn't know how to swim, though. Well, I guess what I mean is, like, she doesn't... It doesn't feel like this stuff is challenging her. It feels like she's just kind of going with it. Yeah. I don't know. I could... I feel like I could... If that's the focus of the show... Sorry, I don't really have a good sentence to formulate here. I think the question for all of us is just, what is the purpose of the show? And we just haven't really... Why did we yet. watch this show? <laughs> did any of us like this show? <laughs> it was interesting to watch. We had a lot of conversations around it. It um, was different. It was different. Okay, so on the next topic of shows with really weird relationships, I just don't watch. Don't watch Diabolic Lovers. Uh, oh, my God. It'll, just, it'll make you even angrier. I don't know if we need to never talk about that show so like as to not give it power or if we should always talk about that show and warn everyone not to watch it but i feel like everyone's gonna hear what is this crazy show they're telling us not to watch and then i'll go watch it and then tear their eyeballs out um Mm. just don't do it (laughs) i know nothing about it other than the name which sounds like it could also be the title of this show but it's diabolic but the it's not doesn't end with a c it ends with a k the k whoa (laughs) now i'm hooked (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if you couldn't tell that that was sarcasm you're a lost cause um anyway i've penciled it down to not watch in my notebook oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's so many shows with good relationships why waste your time on shows with bad relationships like i feel like you'll like the ancient Magus's bride if you are an emotionally compromised teenage girl, which is fine because most girls end up at one time in their life or another being emotionally compromised, but you shouldn't but it should be a cautionary tale, not a oh, an anime <laughs> character is doing this I should want this also because it's very dangerous Don't date <laughs> slave-owning skull mages it's like when people go, went to go, went in to go see Fifty Shades of Grey or whatever. I'm like, this is an example of what you don't want in life. Yeah, and the problem is there aren't, like... There's plenty of shows, and there's plenty of anime that have really unhealthy relationships or that have even, like, rape scenes. But they're very clearly labeled as bad. Don't do this. This is a thing that is happening to a character, but, like, you shouldn't do it because you can hear them screaming or, like, it's framed with bad lights or sounds and it's scary or whatever. Like, they frame it with a disclaimer of, like, this isn't a good thing that's happening, but it's a thing that happens to people. In this, there's no, like, warning sign of 
this is a bad relationship and you should not aspire to do this. Instead, every time she talks about how he called her his, her family, called her family and oh, but she's like in this halo angelic light and like, no, that shouldn't be your standard for dating someone or being with anyone ever. No, no, no. So you might like this if you're an emotionally compromised teenage girl, but please have caution. Please. You can enjoy this if this is something you can, if you want to enjoy, but you need to be careful and don't be like, oh, well, this character wants to commit suicide. I should do that. Like, no, never. That sounds awful. Yeah, it's just, it, it's, it's trying to talk about death. And I, I worry that people who are suicidal are going to watch it and then have this make a case for them to follow through. And that's terrifying to me. 13 Reasons It's what why. happened with, yeah, that one. Yeah, and it's like, it's not, it wasn't produced here, so I can't, like, yell at, you know, an American production company. But I don't know why Crunchyroll is shilling the hell out of it i think that's the part that bugs me the most is that it's not just an anime that was made and was put on their website because there's a lot of anime with a lot of troubling things but not only is crunchyroll constantly like tweeting about it and tweeting pictures from it it was also on their did you guys see their sweepstakes for passport to japan Mm -hmm. um for those who don't know for about a half a month in october if you watched the first episode of eight shows you'd be entered into sweepstakes to win a trip to japan this was one of the shows on there so if you wanted to win this trip you had to watch at least the first episode of the show so it's just this weird there and so it's clearly shows they're trying to push that are new this season and you know trying to expose people to a large variety of, of stuff but i just there's so much bad messaging in this show and i think that's the really dangerous part so do we want to put some sort of wrapping up on that or was there other stuff we wanted to talk about yeah i was just gonna ask if everyone wanted to give a number out of 10 for this show <laughs> three out of 10 three out of 10 wow i I still can't. I still don't feel like I can give the show a proper number since I've only seen two episodes. So to the five that are out. Okay. Um, but I would give the manga more of a six. Okay. Um, yeah, it sounds like the manga is a lot more balanced and a little less like stilted. So maybe that's something to give a shot. You like it, right? You're into it a little bit. I enjoy. I, it's on my. You know, I. I follow the hashtag on Tumblr for some reason, like the the tag. I don't I don't know why I haven't taken it off yet, but it's still there. I haven't read it. I haven't followed up on it since I read the first bunch of chapters that were available. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, if I was bored, I would go back and finish reading. <laughs> Good review. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't not read it. Okay, okay. So that, I mean, that's better than than the show, I guess, so far. Maybe the show will pick up. I don't think it's fair to give a show a rating until it's done, at least for a season. Uh, because who knows? Because, like, you never know when a show... I mean, if you had to watch something like Steinsgate, but you only watched the first, like, nine episodes, you'd say, well, this show is bullshit. 
but you have to get sorry to get into this while we're in the wrap-up segment but i strongly disagree with your you should be able to watch more than nine episodes for the show to get good i think three episodes is the most i should have to give a show to enjoy it no of course um how do i explain this Steinsgate was still good up through episode nine but episode nine is where the bass drops it's okay. a suspense show, and you have to build to the point where things get crazy. Stuff happens in the first, like, nine, I think is it seven or nine episodes? I don't remember. Something like that. Stuff's happening, and it's compelling, and it's good, but, like, it gets, uh, like, ten-worthy after that point. Like a, like a plot twist. You can't have the plot okay. twist at the beginning, but the plot twists are a lot of the time was what make it above and beyond so how many episodes of this show would you hypothetically watch before you felt you could assess it i mean i don't particularly want to watch very much more of it i feel like i'm invested (laughs) in it now enough um what oh i was gonna just because it's related i was gonna actually give my scoring on it because i think we're in a similar boat of i mean regardless of number i I might give it like a 5.1 because i have it, I feel like it's right in the middle, but I'm slightly intrigued in that <laughs> uh, in that going with what we were saying, I don't plan on watching more, but if the season ends and someone says something about how good it was that you know it tells me something about like, oh, something cool happened that I actually do find interesting. It's not that crazy to imagine that I would go back to it in that situation, but short of that happening, I'm not planning to. Yeah, I think in its current state, I'd give it closer to like a four. If something crazy happens later in the season and like it gets better, the score would maybe potentially go up. Or if it got even worse, the score would go down. I guess currently that's my number for it because it's not like the worst thing I've ever seen. It would take a lot, I think, to change it from like a four. Um, if, If everywhere people started posting like, oh, episode six is where it starts getting really good, then I'd be like, okay, how does it get good? Oh, if it's in this way, maybe I'll try. I might continue it anyway just to watch the hot mess that ensues uh, because it is really good for starting conversations. Uh, It was really interesting to watch this shit show happen. Is there any... So we're going to start to wrap, wrap ourselves up. Are there any shows or manga or movies that you are hoping to watch in the near future that you're looking forward to? Give our viewers maybe something else to watch instead of this show. Not There are no viewers. There's listeners. I'm sorry. I always do this to you. I, You know, like I haven't watched anime in so long. This is like the first thing I've watched in a while. So like I feel like I need your recommendations because I need to know what's going on right now in the world. Okay, well, we can probably help with that. Um, do you have yeah. any? Do you have any manga that you're reading that you think people should be reading? I, I, no, not really. Not really. Not really. Not I've been out of the loop for a while. Oh, we gotta bring you back. Yeah, you gotta bring me back. Reel it in. Reel it back in. Reel it back in. All right, um, Danielle, what do you have on your list? Um, this was also um, sort of first foray into a new anime slash manga in quite a while for me. However, I enjoyed Delicious in Dungeon, 
that was pretty fun manga. Um, it's very popular, but I've enjoyed what I've seen of Osomatsu-san. So that's all I got. What was the manga again? What was it called? Delicious in Dungeon. I need that one. That That's one I need. Synopsis, go. Um, man wants to go into the dungeons, but he's really invested in going there to find a variety of creatures in the dungeon to cook into meals, to like live a sustainable life down in the dungeons, and the rest of his party is sort of not into it. Um, but you learn a few cooking tips, and it's fun. It's a good thing to read in bed when you're craving manga from years when you're, you were 15. <laughs> is it wrong to pick up food in a dungeon? <laughs> well, that's the question that it goes to ask. And is it wrong to go through the whole dungeon to try and find the final boss and include it in a delicious meal? Oh. It sounds delicious, not wrong. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, there's that other anime. Is it wrong to pick up girls in a dungeon, right? I think so. I don't know. I think that's a thing that exists. Everything exists. Um, I'm like scrolling through. Oh, oh my god. I'm scrolling through Crunchyroll to see like what's happening, and I just found that there was a sequel to Diabolic Lovers. Oh, <laughs> no, they need to stop. No, they need to stop. Are we going to talk about good. that one next time? We shouldn't. No, no. <laughs> we shouldn't. We shouldn't. No, Let's pick saying. a good show. So, I mean, for us, I mean, we've talked about, I think, on every single episode how we're just still watching the current season of Shokugeki no Soma. Um, in spite of the pornographic aspects, which I could do without, but the food is still still pretty good. But they haven't been bad this season. Eh, have they not? I, I did. I So I told Stephanie this. I did, like, somehow rope myself into watching some of the latest season and felt it was better than the previous season. Maybe it's just this week's episode was a little bit much. Um, but otherwise, yeah, this season's been a little bit more tame. It was more fan service than, like orgasms though wait is... guys i okay i'm sorry i have a quick question how is this show pornographic because i like thought it was about food basically people eat food and then their clothes explode off in joy sometimes <laughs> but only for really good food if you're if your food I that guess... you're eating is so good you have a little orgasm or a big orgasm if the food's okay I, I know what i'm watching next because i just thought it was about food it's really i love it so much um, it, it starts off a lot more food orgasms. Episode one is challenging. Episode <laughs> Yeah, so I showed, I showed Danielle that, and she was not happy with me. I think Food Wars is a good next time, if there's a next time. It's, you know. <laughs> uh, um, talk about Boruto's dad. So oh would you God. recommend Boruto or no? <laughs> Unless you're really, really attached to Naruto, don't. Don't do gotcha. it. It's like... I watched the first couple of episodes of it because I was like, what is this hot garbage? Why are they doing this to us? And I was like, okay, this is basically let's do Naruto again, but with different baggage with kids that look just like weird counterparts of their parents, just clones. Um, But then they're like, so I watched the first few. I was like, okay, this is fine, whatever. And I didn't watch anymore. And then I saw an episode description for a few episodes where it's like Sasuke and Sakura like hang out and like try to deal with their kid and I'm just like wait I need this <laughs> so I watched that arc because I'm ashamed of myself and then after that finished I was like okay I'm fine I don't need anything else like 
This is fine. It's amazing going back and watching it, like, how much they, like, just bash you over the head with, like, their ideals and their moral to their story. Like, I think that's going to be the difference with, like, what's really a shonen is let's hit you over the head with, like, you're my family no matter what, and parents should love their children. Like, let's say those lines, like, 50 times in three episodes. Why don't we? So, stuff like that. But it was fun to go back and see my favorite first anime characters as grown-ups. This was really fun, though. I thought. Did you guys have fun? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I I had fun. I feel like I, you know... You aired your grievances? (laughs) Well, I feel like I'm, you know, just like not frenzied now but like feeling more active now that i don't feel obliged to talk about this show which is sort of horrible um (laughs) you've got it it's all off your chest i i did have fun it was interesting to watch something that i would never just choose to casually watch yeah no it was definitely interesting to like have to watch the first five episodes and be like even if I wasn't into it after episode one, I was like, well, I have to keep going. Let me see where this goes. Um, okay, so this has been really fun, everyone. Thank you all for coming uh, again on this lovely podcast. We've had we've had Lorena. Hi, yo. Okay, don't follow me anywhere. Don't follow you. That's fine. Don't follow me. Don't follow you. Um, and we've also had Danielle. Yeah, I also feel like please don't follow me. Um, but I, I have made a lot of really good stuff, but I would rather you not find it. <laughs> wow, so secretive. Really? You don't want people to go to your places? I mean, if you want to, my you can search my name, Danielle Kogan, and watch some sick cartoons that I've animated. If you want. Okay. Well, hopefully they'll do that. Ben, you want to say goodbye? Yeah. You can follow me um, at Open World IRL on Twitter. I don't really do anything, but that's where I am. <laughs> and I've been your main lady host, uh, Stephanie. You can find me on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Steph Up the Game on Twitter. And this has been World of Anime. We did it, everyone!